The Wiser Podcast, conversations, public talks, and audio essays from the Witz Institute for Social and Economic Research. Pamela Gupta is professor at Wiser. Her research explores Lusophone post-colonial links and legacies in India and Africa. In this podcast, she speaks with Drew Thompson, assistant professor of historical and Africana studies and director of Africana studies at Bard College about the work of Mozambican photojournalist Ricardo Rangel. Ricardo Rangel offers a photographic version of the beautiful and the ugly of Portuguese Mozambique as they sit uneasily side by side. Born in 1924 in Lorenzo Marx, the parents of mixed Greek, African, and Chinese descent, he was raised by his grandmother in a generation where Portuguese colonial racism was the norm. Rangel Soleil moved up the colored ranks to become the nation's leading photojournalist, and his work spanned six decades, from 1950 to 2009. He was the first black photographer to be employed by many of Mozambique's major newspapers in Lorenzo Marx and Vera, before founding a political weekly magazine called Tempo in 1970 alongside four other photojournalists. Tempo was Mozambique's first magazine to include color images and the only publication that stood in opposition to the propaganda of the Portuguese colonial state. Rangel contributed some of Mozambique's most iconic images of high colonial society, prostitutes on the streets of Beira, interracial dancing between South African white men and black Mozambican women at dark, smoke-filled, jazzy nightclubs, the first pictures of Samora Michelle and his momentous march into then Lorenzo Marx to take up the presidency in 1975, even as many of these images were banned or destroyed by Portuguese censors. It was his photographs in particular that brought the attention of the censor the image itself as opposed to the text for the first time, according to Luis Bernardo Honwana, writer, close friend, and biographer of Rangel. Pamela, I was wondering if you could speak about how you were introduced to the life and work of Rangel. Rangel is one of Mozambique's most famous photojournalists and relatively unknown outside of the Lusophone world, which is surprising when considering the breadth of his work. Um, I first came across Rangel's images in Johannesburg, the city where I have lived and worked for the past 15 years, at the Afranova Gallery, which was then located in Newtown. Uh, it was April 2008, um, and his images were included in an exhibit entitled Photographs by Ricardo Rangel and Mauro Pinto. I remember coming across an image dated December 19, 1961, the day the Portuguese left India and Goa became integrated into the Indian nation state. And I still remember looking at this image for a long time to try to make sense of it. It's a beautiful photograph with regard to composition, light, and depth of field, and consists of a group of mostly white Portuguese men and then Lorenzo Marx, the capital of Portuguese Mozambique. One can see a sea of faces, crane necks, and starched shirt collars. I fathom looks of concern transmitted through peering eyes and in turn through a number of eyeglasses and sunglasses. The crowd, which is clustered around a public placard posted to a glass wall, is absorbed in reading the signs proclamation scribbled in handwritten Portuguese that Goa has been lost and annexed by the recently independent Indian government. As the writing is in reverse for the viewer of the photograph, it seems that the photograph has been taken from the inside of a building through its glass front, perhaps from a preferred seat at a favored cafe. Did Rangel happen to be there sipping a cup of coffee when the scene unfolded in front of his eyes, or did he somehow know to be there at that moment? With this photograph, Rangel managed to capture the weight of the collapse of the Portuguese colonial empire with one click of his shutter. It was this image then that made such an impression on me that day. I knew I wanted to write about and through it, for it articulated in ways what I was trying to access ethnographically. 
I had just started a new project based in Mozambique, tracing the larger Lusophone world through migration that connects Goa, India, to East Africa via the Indian Ocean. I went to Maputo in June of that same year, both to conduct field work with a small Goan fishing community in nearby Katembe, and to meet with Rangel at the very vibrant Centro de Documentação e Formação at Fotografica, to talk about him and his life in photography. It was the only conversation I would have with him, and I still remember it so vividly, as he passed away the following June of 2009. And Drew, I, I know that the same photograph taken by Rangel equally made an impression on you, and I thought, I wanted to ask you then if you could talk through your ways of seeing this particular image. Thanks, Pamela. Uh, I think we first met actually in Maputo in June or July of 2010, which was also when you introduced me to Rangel's photograph of the announcement of Goa's independence. Rangel stands behind a patron, as you mentioned, and a glass window in order to show the men outside jockeying to read news of Goa's independence. For me, what is interesting here is the ability for Rangel to photograph from inside speaks to an element of transparency that characterized how populations in Mozambique were able to view the affairs of other Portuguese colonies, as well as photography's ability to bring a type of transparency, or you might say clarity to the historical moment. Decades after taking the photograph, uh, Rangel explained how Goa's independence radicalized him to the point where he wanted to pick up a gun and fight against uh, Portugal. And, and the photograph makes then a profound visual statement. At one level, the image I think reflects the importance of acts of reading and looking to the condition of colonialism and independence in Mozambique. And at another level, the photo literally depicts how processes of colonization in Africa unfolded alongside those of decolonization. This leads me to my next question, Pamela. I was wondering if you could talk about how you think about city landscapes in Mozambique as archiving and performing histories of colonialism, liberation, and socialism. It's a great question. Um, and in answer to that, I want to talk about the city of Bera located midway up the coast in central Mozambique, about 700 kilometers away from Maputo. I first visited Bera in 2009, and I remember thinking that its landscape felt so different from the capital city, a place that I had come to know having spent longer periods of time there conducting fieldwork with the Goan community. And here in this city, I paused to watch a young Mozambican girl dive into a municipal swimming pool. And that became the start of an essay on colonial infrastructures and their layered repurposings. I became interested in Bera's architecture, specifically for it had been built as a tourist dream city in the 1950s and 60s that never realized its aspirations. It was also during the 1960s that Rangel lived and worked there as a photojournalist for several prominent newspapers. Bera was in some sense a failed or forgotten city left over in the space of decolonization that was now experienced by a different set of inhabitants than the white Portuguese and Rhodesian population that had been exclusively built to house and entertain. With this project, then, I wanted to trace its multiple temporalities, uh, not only of colonialism, decolonization, and socialism, but also civil war and post-colonial peace, and specifically how these embedded times were performed in four sites of leisure, a swimming pool, movie theater, hotel, and a cafe. I then used a second visit to the city in 2016 as a way to look at these same infrastructural sites over a seven-year period of resilience. I wanted to think through small and innovative acts of renovation as one of the ways of reflecting less on colonial ruination, but rather on post-war repair, 
For example, the way a colonial era built Art Deco movie theater became a thriving community center in 2016. I took lots of photographs as I walked through the cityscape. The act of noticing a small detail, be it an azulejo tile, a fresh coat of paint, or a polished fixture, as a way to see the possibility of a city from inside the city, to quote Mozambican architect José Forjaz. And it was from a conversation we had together and whose ideas framed very much the way I was trying to see not only Berra but Maputo as well, and the way the latter city archives and performs its specific history through its infrastructures, be it an early 20th century French Beaux-Arts-styled train station that now houses a contemporary art gallery named Colinguana and which hosted my book launch last year, or a renamed post-independence avenues in honor of Vladimir Lenin, Julius Nere, and Josina Michelle, wife to Samora, just to name a few. I think it's important also to point out um, Diario de Mozambique, a leading colonial era newspaper, actually was located in the same building of the cafe where Rangel photographed the image of the announcement of Goa's independence. I recall visiting Cafe Continental when I conducted research in Maputo. Also, the Archivo Historico de Mozambique is located on Rua Arujo, the street where Rangel frequented the nightclubs to listen to jazz, socialize with his colleagues, and to photograph one of his famous series of the nightlife called Pau Nosu de Cada Noit. I mentioned these spatialities because uh, one is able to literally revisit many of the locations that Rangel photographed and that were formative to the popularization and widespread use of photography in colonial and post-independence Mozambique. In fact, to this day, Maputo still houses many institutions important to photography, ranging from dark rooms to newsrooms to cinemas that date to the colonial era. To give another example, uh, the National Photography School, which you mentioned, uh, Pamela, the Centro de Documentação e Formação Fotográfica, is in the same location that once housed a colonial era film laboratory called Focus. It was at Focus that Rangel and another famous photographer, Mozambican photographer, Koknam, honed their technical skills before entering the press. Uh, owners of colonial, of commercial Photography studios like Focus would abandon Mozambique in advance of Mozambique's official independence in 1975, and the newly empowered political front, Frilimo, used the nationalization of private industry in order to acquire control over these centers and the equipment that people left behind. And here, Pamela, I was wondering if you could give your thoughts on what's the role of photography in the decolonization of Mozambique. Another way to think about this is how do you think about photography in relation to the political process of decolonization in Mozambique? Thanks, Drew. I want to answer that question by returning to Rangel once again, only instead of honing in on one image um, that that we've discussed in detail. It's a series of photographs taken during the last days of colonialism and then Lorenzo Marx. Rangel produced a set of 10 images entitled Fleeing Settlers, uh, images of the crates that the Portuguese citizen, citizens used to pack up their belongings when they left Mozambique prior to independence. Rangel wandered the near-empty residential streets taking photographs of Portuguese soldiers, airport queues of trolleys, a port city on the move, of cranes and container ships. One remarkable image once again stands out. It's of a crate with a label consisting of the owner's name, underneath which is a handwritten scribble in Portuguese that says, Do not take anymore. You have stolen enough. Thank you. 
These images perfectly represent the material aspects of dismantling a colonial enterprise, such, a, such that they remind us that colonialism itself is a form of possession and decolonization one of dispossession. These crates filled with the stuff of their owners and ready to depart stand in for the specter of decolonization, a process of emptying out of people, ideas, and things for those no longer in power. It is the escape of the colonialist, as Rangel, Rangel labeled another image included in this series. It shows how the majority of Portuguese chose to leave at the end of colonialism for the metropole, certain belongings in hand, and which would prove to be markers of a rich past in an unknown future tense. While others less fortunate with regard to race and class were not given the same choice in the aftermath of Portugal's colonial demise. It is the hint of the chaos bumbling underneath the facade of the seemingly orderly fashion of these moments of colonial departure that Rangel captures and that stay with me. It is a subtle questioning of the smoothness of decolonization that the colonial state wants to project that Rangel so beautifully undermines with his attention to detail, his upending of an imperial gaze, and his taking of these photographs of departing white elites. In some ways, then, this set of photographs points to a way of decolonizing the visual through the very subject matter, but also reflect the possibility of conceptualizing decolonization through the visual itself. These images help us to think about the very material aspects alongside the perhaps more opaque, sensory, or effective and personalized aspects of decolonization as a complex political process. I'm reminded of a description made by Patricia Hayes of Rajal's photographs. In quote, by stretching the picture to include what is uncomfortable, he was stretching the emotions of those who looked. End quote. And just to follow along that same line of thinking, I want to pick up on another idea by Patricia Patricia Hayes and Rui Asabujo, and I know that you've spent time with both of them at UWC. Um, it's their idea of photographs as history versus of history. In other words, can you say a little bit more about what kinds of history photographs are, um, or rather what, what kind of meaning or what kind of histories can photographs potentially tell? So in, in a related manner, can you also say more on your concept of filtering history, including the use of photographic materialities and metaphors to think about history and history writing? something that we're both engaged in as scholars of Mozambique and visuality. I think it might be helpful for listeners um, to use Rangel's photograph of the announcement of Goa's independence to parse through this idea of photographs as history. Uh, as diplomatic communiques reveal, the Portuguese authoritarian state had no images of the struggle that led to the declaration of independence in Goa, a representation of how events ricocheted across the colonies surfaced in Mozambique with Rangel's photograph. Thus, Rangel's image speaks to a certain capacity in the colonies and not in the metropole to mobilize and use photography as a mode of representation. Rangel's negatives and exhibition prints archived in his personal collection suggest that in the days after taking the image of people reading news of Goa's independence, that Portuguese settlers in Mozambique protested Goa's independence and that the colonial state had detained Indian nationals in concentration camps. In December 1961, when Rangel took these images, he worked as a press photographer at the progressive daily newspaper Atribuna. And for reasons that still remain unknown, he elected not to publish any of the, his images of Goa's independence and its ramifications in Mozambique. Instead, in the late 1980s and early 1990s, as he participated in international exhibitions and produced photo books, he reprinted these particular images. Part of photography then, and in effect, 
the documentation of history are negatives, contact sheets, and exhibition prints. Furthermore, Rangel's decision to revisit his unpublished images associated with Goa's independence suggests that certain images remain in negative form and that it was only with independence that certain photographs were able to be printed. A concept like filtering then is meant to complicate this idea of photography as history by thinking about the multiple exposures of decolonization as well as colonization while in introducing new ways to think about how photography informs historical processes and historical memory. By way of a conclusion to this podcast, I want to return to Maputo, the city where Drew and I first met in 2010, and home to Ricardo Rangel and his rich photography archive. It is the power of his images, both in the singular and multiple, that take us on visual journeys through landscapes of decolonization, connecting slender threads across the Indian Ocean between Goa and Mozambique of small infrastructural acts of post-colonial renovation and resilience, and finally disquieting moments of colonial departure that reveal relations between people and their things on the eve of independence. It is a way of seeing photographs as central to history-making and understanding. We both thought, then, that a fitting tribute to Ricardo Rangel would be to leave our audience with a sound clip of jazz, since he was not only an enthusiast, but also a proud co-owner of the Chenu Jazz Café at the Maputo train station, which we both have visited on separate occasions. We could go as far as to say that jazz was a defining aesthetic of Rangel's photography. Thank <laughs> you.